Just a heads up, this episode features a personal story of mental health and contains themes of suicide. If this brings up distressing feelings for you, please contact the Beyond Blue support service. I distinctly remember saying that I felt like I was never going to be able to make it as a runner because I wasn't mentally strong enough. I wasn't mentally strong enough to starve myself, to be skinny enough to um, be able to run as well as these other girls. Like I wasn't mentally strong enough to just put these anxieties aside and compete and race. Welcome to Not Alone. Incredible stories from everyday Australians talking about their mental health to help you with yours. This episode is about becoming friends with your anxiety. Katrina Bissett, or Trina as she likes to be called, is the fastest Australian woman to ever run the 800 metres. Ever. She's also an Olympian and three-time national champion. However, Trina's journey has been anything but straightforward. It's been messy, sometimes painful, and sometimes incredibly lonely. Let's go back to where it all began, with a young, introverted girl who would do anything to avoid the spotlight. As a kid, I think people would describe me as really shy. Um, I think a lot of my report cards and that sort of thing would say that I was incredibly shy to the point where it was very hard to get me to do, like to say anything in class, but like I was still a really high, high achiever. One of those, one of those kids, you know, the kid in class that's like gets straight A's, but doesn't say a word like that. That was me when I was little. (laughs) Saturday mornings in the Canberra summer meant little athletics, a routine Trina grew to absolutely love. It also meant precious time with her mum, Xia Jing. We would have these little tickets where you would write your PBs and you had like a little front pocket and you would put them in there. And so I remember a lot of my memories are around like running the 100 metres and then writing little... Um, times down and collecting these tickets and then but it was it was very much just like a fun Saturday morning um, casual thing with my mum would volunteer with with all of the events and that sort of thing and then yeah you'd go get your ice cream and go home. My dad was the distance runner and my mum always talks about how she was a champion shot putter in her high school. And so she taught me, so her um, influence on my athletic career was that she taught me how to throw a shot put or like put a shot put or whatever you call it. (laughs) And um, so she taught me that like that proper like spin technique um, in the, in the circle. That's how she describes that she's um, contributed to my future success. (laughs) As the primary school years passed, Trina began to accept something about herself, something that she never grew out of. She wasn't just shy. There was something more to it. I think I was always in some way knew that what I was experiencing wasn't just 
that I was quiet. I would have a lot of problems in social situations and or situations where I would have to speak in public and that sort of thing. So I sort of realized that like I wasn't just quiet, that I had some real social anxiety. Um, and yeah, I think just through school, I really realized that um, I was having a lot of trouble talking in, in class. I was having a lot of trouble um, I yeah public speaking um and even like in my athletic um career like that those early days I had a lot of trouble with like pre-race anxiety I was I was more nervous um for a race than that that race really required me to be yeah but this anxiety didn't just affect social situations or races It crept into how she perceived the one thing Trina could never outrun, her own body. I started noticing that I was very self-conscious about my body. Um, In particular, I would remember um, I would always be the kid with the big baggy T-shirts and the baggy shorts. Um, And while the other girls started wearing the crop tops and the briefs and that sort of thing to to running comps. Um, And I, yeah, would remember really comparing my my body to theirs and always thinking that I looked pudgier or like I was too fat or like that these girls had this confidence and they had this and and they should be confident because they had these tiny skinny bodies and I didn't you know I couldn't show my body because I was too fat. I remember a photo of um a relay team that I was part of, like the like the ACT relay team when we went to compete at the nationals. And I think I was maybe, yeah, 10 or 11. Um, and I remember looking at that photo and we're all wearing crop tops and we were all just like have our arms over each other. And yeah, and I remember looking at that photo at that age and just thinking how much bigger and more disgusting and that sort of thing that I looked compared to the others. And it's been really interesting going through those older photos and seeing how much all of that was just my own self-comparison. And now looking at it, I can't really tell the difference between all these young girls. We just look like young girls. The fun outlet those Saturday mornings gave Trina for years, writing personal bests on little tickets, doing the shot put spin technique her mum taught her getting ice cream on the drive home. All that had changed. Despite the fact she was winning almost all the races she was in, athletics had become a constant source of, well, certainly not fun. I found that running became not a very safe and fun place for me anymore. Um, There was a lot of pressure from coaches and other athletes and myself to look a certain way and um, yeah, that, that sort of turned into like an eating disorder I developed around that age. And I just, yeah, running just became a really, um, really just high pressure, stressful place for me, which is just such a shame. Trina decided to walk away from athletics for a really, really long time. And yet still, even without the sport in her life, even without the competition, her anxiety didn't disappear. Neither did the constant comparing herself to everyone else. If anything, it was ramping up. I have a really strong memory of going to a party, I think, 
I was maybe year nine or ten, and I was really good friends with the the person whose birthday it was, but only knew a couple of the other people there. And I remember arriving and just having this extreme sense of like that fight or flight, like like just heart racing and that sort of fear response of like, I don't feel safe here. I don't know these people. And I, there's nothing I can do to stop myself from just panicking. Um, and I remember sort of like saying hi to people and, and doing what I had to, and then getting out of there as soon as I could. And I remember just sort of walking around the block, um, sort of like in the, like at, at night and, and just calling up my dad and being can you come pick me up? <laughs> like, might have been only half an hour after you dropped me off. But um, yeah, I just had this this um, feeling that I, I couldn't explain and couldn't control, and and had to had to get out of there as soon as I could. Yeah. Even though I had all of this stuff going on inside, it was really easy to hide because I was such a perfectionist and made sure I always got really good grades, that I was still a social kid, I had friends. And so um, it could be really easily dismissed as, you know, she's like, Trina's just shy, you know, like, but, but look at her grades. Like, there's nothing, it's like, she's going to grow out of it. Like she's okay. She's having a bit of trouble, but she's going to, she's going to be fine. Like that's sort of the, the feeling that I was very proud, I guess, to cultivate because it meant I could really just keep everything inside. I remember sending an email to the school counsellor um, and telling her, oh, I'm, I'd like to, you know, set up a, a meeting or something and and then no, no, no specifics or anything like that and, and then her replying, being like, of course. And then I just completely left it. I didn't respond again and I think I just felt this this shame, this like this feeling that this was such a weakness. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't tell anyone, I didn't tell my parents, I didn't tell my friends. I didn't really reach out to anybody online or anonymously or anything. Like it was all just very, very much internal. With her mental health issues firmly bottled up inside, Trina left for Sydney to live on campus and begin an architecture degree. first time I was exposed to drinking and you know that kind of really intense uni culture and staying up late doing assignments and that sort of thing so I was just yeah like because I hadn't done anything about um a lot of the mental mental um distress that I had been going through through high school like this was a really like sort of a breaking point for me of just sort of ramping up that stress to 100 and being completely away from my old routines and support from my parents and that sort of thing. I experienced my first panic attack during that time. I remember I was um, in my in my college room by myself, um, began hyperventilating, I burst into tears and yeah, just had this sense that I was dying, that something was happening to me in like, like my, cause my breathing was so rapid, my heart rate was going um, through the roof. Yeah, I just had this really strong sensation that I was dying, that I was having a heart attack, that something really horrible was happening to me out of my control. Yeah, and then, then that was my first, 
experience with panic attacks and I've have had many of them since but that was a real like because I'd never experienced one before it really just shocked me the panic attacks the social anxiety the eating disorder and the constant battle with her own inner critic it all took its toll Trina was exhausted and that summer after her first year of uni it reached a tipping point yeah there was so much pain and Yeah, it was just this turning point where it was I couldn't I couldn't keep living like this. So it was either I talked to somebody or um, I was going to take my own life. That somebody was her dad. They booked an appointment with a local GP together and Trina was referred to a psychologist. started seeing that psychologist and yeah it wasn't wasn't a great first experience with the psych as well like I um I think it's pretty common for a lot of people like their first psychologist probably isn't quite for them or they're not really sure what they're looking for and um so yeah I didn't didn't have a great experience with that first psych but um it, it definitely sort of I I breached that threshold and I was now in this this space you know and I knew I could could access help and when I went back to Sydney um I started seeing um a different psychologist um a young woman who yeah I found it a lot easier to speak to and so for the last decade I've been seeing psychologists regularly and um I think it's been a really huge part of uh me becoming really comfortable with myself and becoming really good at talking to people <laughs> like this interview <laughs> yeah letting people in letting everyone in <laughs> yeah but there was one person who Trina had never let in the person who used to drive her to little aths who taught her the shot put spin technique after growing up in China her mum moved away from family to live in Australia not long before Trina was born, and she always held high standards for her daughter. Yeah, had a pretty rocky relationship with her um, throughout primary school and high school. Like, I think, like, she was under a lot of stress, um, um, yeah, being away from her family in China, and I think she had very high expectations of me, um, particularly academically, and, um, yeah, we would fight a lot, <laughs> like... We, um, we, I, I, yeah, really withdrew from my relationship to my mum for a long time there. I think a couple years um, after I had started seeing a psychologist and that sort of thing, and I'd kept all of that from her, um, kept all of my um, struggles from her. And I was in Canberra and we had this huge argument and I don't even remember why. It's like one of those things, like you, um, it's always about something silly, but it's never actually about that thing. It's about something much bigger that you're not talking about. Um, yeah, so we had this huge argument and then I just said everything. And so we just sort of cried <laughs> together and just shared these experiences. And 
I feel like it was like the first time that I really, you know, saw my mum as this complicated, rich, you know, human being with this incredible inner life. And um, yeah, that completely transformed our relationship and really transformed my relationship to my Chinese heritage as well. My name is Keqing, which uh, means diligence. And yeah, it's always been a very fitting <laughs> um, meaning for, yeah. Whenever I describe it to someone, people always say like, oh, right, <laughs> makes sense. Now in her mid-twenties, that diligence needed a new outlet. Well, not a new one, exactly. It was an outlet that had been laying dormant for about a decade. I joined a running group again, um, and yeah, I, I just found that, like, I, I, I just remembered all the great things about it. So Oceania record holder, Katrina Bissett, fresh off the world indoor final, into the home straight, and she looks powerful, pulling away from this field. Just like the community, the routine, um, I mean, just how how great it was for my physical body and how in turn that really helped my mental health as well. Um, and yeah, I, I sort of got hooked on it again. What a run here, 159.84. I could enter the sport as, as, as an adult, as a different person, as someone that was free from a lot of the pressures from my youth. Our national record holder is out here putting on a show for the crowd and she'll come down to take the national title. That's why she is one of the best in the world. There was a time when Trina thought she wasn't strong enough to be an athlete, that athletes don't feel the things she feels. Today, she knows that isn't true. And just like she's training every day to get that national record a little bit faster, she's also working on being kinder to herself. Like, I think I used to think of these, these thoughts and feelings as a weakness or as something that needs to be managed. I used to use that phrase a lot of management, but I don't really believe that anymore. I actually think that it's more about just being friends with all of these different parts of yourself. It's, it's not a secret. It's not this shameful secret that I have. Like, it's just part of who I am. And, you know, I love every part of who I am. <laughs> a big thank you to Katrina for sharing her story with us. We've covered a range of mental health issues. And if anything has been upsetting for you, please contact the Beyond Blue Support Service on 1300 224636. We've also listed a number of resources in our show notes. This podcast was recorded and produced on Wurundjeri country, and we pay respect to the traditional owners of these lands. Thanks for listening to Not Alone.